WebCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the Executive Director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. We are in Mental Illness Awareness Week nationally. It is a problem that I think finally some of the stigma is being lifted uh, from mental illness, but we're going to talk about that this morning. A lot of people don't talk about it, but our guest this morning is someone who is willing to. She is Linda Schmidtmeyer. Uh, she has been a friend and a co-worker for a long time, and she has written a new book. It's called Rambler. A Family Pushes Through the Fog of Mental Illness. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, Jason. Uh, the book is amazing. What is the name of the press that people can get it from? Um, it's actually available on Amazon, Barnes okay. & Noble, but the publisher is The Artist Orchard. And okay. it's also available through it, that, that website. So The Artist Orchard is the publisher. The name of the book is Rambler and... Um, it's got a, a very fun picture, although I don't think the incident was fun at the time, no. of, a, of a Rambler uh, car. If you're old enough to remember the Rambler cars before American Motors, uh, before they started calling them AMCs, they were Ramblers. Um, there's a Rambler car in uh, in a pond on, on your farm, I believe. And who's standing on the Rambler That's car? That's my husband That's standing husband. on the car and he's in, uh, in the pond. He pushed the car. He and the children pushed the car into the pond. Uh, tell us about your husband. Well, um, first, I, I, his name is Steve. Um, and uh, he and I have been married for 43 years. Um, and um, he has a mental illness. Uh, the, uh, the mental illness actually uh, uh, began, his mental health problems began when he was uh, a 40, he was, he was, um, we had three young children at the time and he started having some mental health problems. Eventually they became acute enough uh, and an illness and some, uh, some people, um, are aware, I'm sure that it often manifests in, in, in some unusual behaviors, unusual thinking. And that was my husband's case. So, the, uh, the Rambler in the Pond is kind of an example of that. So, so it's a, it's not a book. If, if, if as much as uh, some people like cars, it's not a book about Rambler cars. It's a book kind of about his ramble through his illness and the family's ramble with him together. Then yes, and and then also the Rambler cars were part of it because right. he collected them uh, at the time, uh, kind of obsessively mm-hmm. at that time. But um, uh, and he was actually known around the area we live in um, for his Rambler cars and. Uh, uh, but also the rambling that was part of it was uh, he, when he was, uh, his illness was most acute, he would often leave and, and ramble uh, for several days and us not knowing where he was. And it was at a time when his his thinking was most impaired and his uh, judgment also. So uh, it was always a dangerous or felt very dangerous when, when that was happening. Uh, the book is called Rambler, A Family Pushes Through the Fog of Mental Illness. Our guest this half hour is Linda Schmidtmeyer. She is the author. You can get the book uh, on Amazon at Barnes & Noble, or it's The Artist Orchard is the name of the press. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can go to you Google them and, and you can get it through their website. So uh, where did you two meet? You told me off the air you've been married for 43 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we met in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually uh, dated. We were at the University of Dayton together. He mm-hmm. grew up on a farm in Ohio. I grew up 20 minutes away in a small town. Um, and we met at, at, at the university and um, married several years after graduating. Uh, and then had several children and uh, life progressed as it often does in that situation where uh, 
he, he was working I, at the time I was at the time of this illness. Um, I was working part time, but we had three young children at, at the home. And he's an engineer by training. Yes. He so is he had a mechanical he, engineer. He had worked, I think, at the Air Force Base in Dayton. Yes, he had. And then you, what brought you to Pennsylvania then? His job changed. Okay. He was looking for a new job. He had been with the uh, Air Force Base for 14 years. And then I uh, was wanting something else, and he, uh, uh, we moved here because he got a job as a staff engineer with an engineering society. Uh, your your husband Steve, and and this is something that in the book, um, I don't want to give too much away in the book because we want people to go out and read the book, right? Uh, but in the book, you mentioned that the, he had an injury, uh, traumatic brain injury, and nobody made the connection at the time. Mm-hmm. But a couple of years later is when the mental illness started to suffer. Tell us about the injury. Actually, it was yeah, the injury was is that we were for my son's tenth birthday. We were uh, uh, taking a uh, bike ride, and he actually uh, had a concussion, a severe concussion. Uh, was hospitalized overnight, uh, and this was 1989 when few people thought seriously about the the ramifications of concussion. Uh, we mentioned it to doctors, but uh, the onset of his mental health problems actually started six months later okay. in the sense that um, we didn't perceive it as a mental health problem at the time. But he walked into our kitchen one one day after work and just said he quit his job. We had three young children at home. I wasn't working full time by any means. Um, but uh, it was kind of a rash act that we think of as... The, looking back on it as the beginning of his uh, uh, changes in his behavior, changes in his thinking, changes in his uh, even value system somewhat. And he had been up to this point, he's an engineer by training, and I know a lot of engineers, very kind of methodical. And very methodical. And well-organized and rational in, you know, and I want to get to A, so we're going to go through B, C, D, E, absolutely. F. Absolutely. In fact, his move from uh, Pens- uh, from Ohio to Pennsylvania, which happened three years prior to his quitting his job, it took him, uh, I think, at least a year to find that job or to find the job that he wanted. So it was a very methodical approach. But this was just uh, uh, three years later, uh, six months after the accident, I quit my job, you know, which was a, a shock and um quite a quite a uh, an issue that we had to work through. Uh, Linda Schmidtmeyer is our guest uh, this morning. Her book is called Rambler: A Family Pushes Through the Fog of Mental Illness. It's available uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever uh, books are sold. Uh, you can also it, it, there's a website listed on here. This can you buy it through your website? Um, no, actually, at this time point, it's not up there, okay. but it's soon to be up there. <laughs> okay, okay. But uh, if they Google Rambler uh, and Linda Schmidtmeyer, uh, you will come up with the book definitely. Um, and this is uh, Mental Illness Awareness Week. And something we're going to talk about here a little bit later on in the half hour is why you decided to write the book and share this story and why you and Steve have been out talking about it and promoting it and, and sharing your own personal stories. Um one thing I wanted to ask you about was there's a the, the book a lot of it is written in sort of the present tense so it's very I I found it very I'm not sure what the word is I I think I told you in an email I found it very compelling in okay. that um I wanted to keep reading it but I also found it sometimes I had to step away because it was it was a painful to read was it painful for you to write. Well, it was difficult to write. Okay. A painful, uh, I would say probably even more therapeutic. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, um, yes, uh, there were times, and not often, but there were times when I would be writing and the tears would well in my eyes, remembering how difficult our life had been during that time when Steve was um, would act out, when Steve would have, say things that just simply were out of character, but yet um, 
you know, they were harsh and, and very difficult to live with. So remembering those things as I wrote certainly uh, brought about some pain for me. But in the long run, it really helped me see the writing of the book really helped me see the, the whole picture and, uh, uh, and how there were many people who supported us. Steve's uh, role in, in, in constantly working to get better. Um, you know, the importance of, of educating yourself about mental illness, all those things kind of came into like focus through my writing. Uh, we, we're gonna have to take a break here in a minute or two. But Something that also struck me, the 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 timeliness of the or, or the, the time setting of the book, the way it feels very that we're going through this journey with you and with Steve and with your family. Did you keep careful notes at the time you were journaling at the time? I did. I did. Okay. You know, that's the writer in me. I was also writing a newspaper column at the time, and it was a first person column. And while I didn't talk about the illness, I think it gave me that first person approach to writing this okay. book. So present tense, first person, kind of in the action uh, as it as it occurred. Now, even though it occurred in this case, you know, 20 plus years ago, but um, that present tense kind of engaged feels more engaging and 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 hopefully uh, people will be able to get a better feel for um, how it played out inside of our home inside of our family life I, I don't think I've mentioned that Linda has been a journalist at the Butler Eagle uh, she has worked for the University of Pittsburgh and is now a freelance writer and teaches writing I believe at Point Park University I do okay. I do okay Linda Schmidtmeyer is our guest this morning she is the author of Rambler a family pushes through the fog of mental illness it is brand new and this is mental illness awareness week and uh, we're talking about uh, Linda and her family's personal story uh, when we come back let's talk a little bit about how things began to deteriorate after the incident of I quit my job and also about how you and Steve found help for him to work through to get diagnosed first and then to get help. Okay. Okay. Uh, you are talking, we're talking with Linda Schmidtmeyer uh, about her book, Rambler, a family pushes through the fog of mental illness. And you are listening to radio 81 W E D O 1550 and 101.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh jazz channel, internet radio, WMCK.FM and TubeCityOnline.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to two rivers, 30 minutes, a production of tube city community media incorporated. If you've got an idea for someone who you'd like us to interview or a question or comment, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Welcome back. Our guest this morning is Linda Schmidtmeyer. She's the author of Rambler, A Family Pushes Through the Fog of Mental Illness. It is a new book about her family's personal struggles, particularly her husband, uh, but also how it impacted her and um, the, their children. Uh, it is available through Amazon or Barnes & Noble. You are doing, have been doing some book signings. I have. Okay, mostly up in the North Hills of Pittsburgh? I or? Have. Okay. Yes. Uh, are you doing any readings or anything coming up soon? Well, actually, I'm going to be doing some in, in Ohio uh, later this month um, because that's where both my husband and I are from. But I hope to have a few more readings in the Pittsburgh area later in the year. Okay. Okay. So uh, keep an eye uh, peeled for that. When we took the break, I we were talking about sort of the the inflection point, kind of the where things started to turn. And that was um, your husband, Steve, uh, was in a bike accident, had a severe concussion, was hospitalized overnight. And then a few, six months later, I think you said he quit his job abruptly as an engineer. Mm -hmm. He did. 
And, and, and from there, I mean, uh, that wasn't, and looking at it at the time, we never considered that a mental health problem. Mm -hmm. It was just something that happened. It was unusual, but it was something that happened. It was only through time, uh, through the, through the next two to three years where, you know, there were more and more, uh, out of character things for him. Uh, he would act more rashly. He would, um, he, he focused less on, on his job, more on, um, uh, an issue that he had with the engineering society where he worked kind of became obsessed with kind of taking care of that over taking care of his family, which of course created a real crisis in our, in our home. Um, so it was changes in his behaviors and thinking that slowly began to happen. They didn't happen all the time. There would be great periods of time where things would be fine. And then, uh, problems would surface again. So it was this back and forth fluctuation that, that eventually caused both of us to realize uh, that he had some mental health problems. Me first, because I saw it in him, and he eventually certainly understood that too. I, I don't know that we've mentioned what his exact diagnosis is, which is bipolar, correct? Well, it is, um, but it's actually, he has a, a, even a, a more specific, narrow version of that in the sense that it's called schizoaffective disorder, which is um, a bipolar, it has the symptoms of bipolar disorder, which is the mood swings, but also a thought disorder. And that thought disorder is more uh, in line with uh, schizophrenia diagnosis. So he has some of the symptoms associated with schizophrenia. So, so, so what happened was he was working for, he was an engineer working for this engineering society. He abruptly quit his job. He did take another job, I believe, with a plastics Yes, he did. He company. actually had several, a couple of jobs at the time, and then it ended up with a plastics company. Um, but that was a sales job at, where he worked out of the house and, and, and worked less and less all the time. Well, you, you write in the book, and, and you alluded to it a, a, a moment or two ago, that he sort of became fixated on his old job and on the people who, in the, the thought process, had wrong, either wronged him or were wronging the society. And he began to keep files and, and write letters and memos. Yes. And and, and it was really a, a, an obsessive thinking about it. He couldn't let go of it. And it was also a bit irrational. Um, he really wasn't able to think logically about it. And therefore, you have the thought disorder. Um, only with time and, and better understanding by the medical community themselves, it took actually from the beginning, um, it took eight years before he really had a proper diagnosis. And that's not uncommon. They say on average it can take up to 10 years to get a, um, the, the right combinations of medications that will alleviate uh, the mental health symptoms. Um, and so for Steve, it took uh, eight years, um, a number of different medication changes, uh, up to, I think, a, a dozen uh, of different medications that they tried. Now, again, this is the 1990s when there's probably even less understanding where you were 20 years forward. I, I think that, I hope that there's certainly um, better uh, awareness for one thing, but also ability to diagnose and treat. There is and there isn't, and I don't want to veer too far off of your story. We're talking with Linda Schmidtmeyer about her book, Rambler, A Family Pushes Through the Fog of Mental Illness. It is brand new. Uh, you can get it wherever books are sold. Uh, you can also Google it, and uh, The Artist's Orchard is mm -hmm. the name of the press. Uh, you can get it from their website, um, and Linda is also doing some uh, book readings and signings uh, throughout the area. This is uh, Mental Illness Awareness Week, and that's why this topic is so relevant. Um, what I was going to say is, even now, though, with some, some of the um, uh, SSRIs, they're called, you know, uh, doctors will tell you, 
they kind of experiment a little bit. And this one may work for some people, but it doesn't work it, for absolutely. other people. The brain chemistry is different for it's everybody. It's very personal. And, and yeah. I think that's where the challenge is. And plus, there are no reliable biological markers. You can't take a blood test. You can't have a scan. Um, you, can't it, you can't culture it like you could culture an infection no, and say, no, oh, this antibiotic will attack that. No, it, yeah. that doesn't work. And, and, it, and, and because it shows up in, in behaviors and thinking, those are the symptoms that you have to pay attention to. And only when they change, personality changes kind of are indicative of that something may be wrong. Uh, it may not, but one of the things with Mental Illness Awareness Week is people are encouraged to uh, seek help early. It's like physical illnesses, mental illnesses need to be treated in the earlier stages, um, and the results can be more uh you're on the path to better results early, and that's very important. Let's jump ahead a little bit because um, you, your your husband, I don't think, had had the diagnosis yet, but I think one of the real, we talked about the sort of inflection of where things started to change, there was an incident in Detroit. Yes. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, yes. He had gone to the Engineering Society Conference in Detroit. Um, this was uh, several years after the, the head injury. But um, uh, and by that time, he was on medication for depression because that's how the illness manifested at first. But he um, wanted to, to make a change at the Engineering Society. He was trying to meet with people, but he, he actually acted out in a way and actually had an actual breakdown in Detroit. Following that breakdown, he was hospitalized. The for, pol and police were involved. Police were involved. Yeah. Yes, the police were involved. He was taken away. Um, and um, that was kind of like a wake-up call for all of us. It's like, okay, we've got a real serious mental health, mental illness going on here. And we need it needs to be addressed. So it was kind of the beginning of Steve and I almost together really saying, we've got to figure out a way to... Um, overcome this. Um, while he was in the hospital, and he was there for a month, um, I actually went to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, which is... A NAMI, sometimes NAMI, it's called, yeah. 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 Which is uh, to get information, to learn as much as I could about the diagnosis at the time, which was bipolar disorder. So, you know, it, it does involve a lot of uh, uh, proactive uh, seeking of help, uh, not just from, you know, people around you, but also from, you know, the medical community, from... Uh, advocacy groups like Anami. Uh, your children are how old now? Now they are um, 29, 34, and 39. Okay, but they were very small when this was all happening. Yes, they were. Uh, I always see at the onset, it happened when all three of them were under the age of 10. That happened um, in 1989. So uh, uh, they were young, and, and um it made it for a challenging home life. <laughs> uh, we, we have another, we're coming up on another break here in a minute or so, but Steve and I, I feel strange talking about him when he's not here and he's probably going to end up listening to this, uh, but he comes across in the book as a very loving father and as a very devoted and involved father. Very. But incidents such as deciding to push the car into the pond for fun with the kids, you know, you say, well, that's not quite right. And, and you write in the book of how... You weren't sure how to react. That they were having such fun, but it was clearly reckless. Well, his behaviors with the children were becoming a little bit more and more outlandish. Um, he would do things. He was from the beginning. He was a very active, very involved, very hands-on father. Yeah. Uh, very playful with them. Yeah, you know, it, it come, he, that comes through very yeah, clearly. He was a very much a playful uh, father. Yeah, um, and and but it, but the playing 
seem to get more and more out of out of hand. But when you have a husband who's depressed a lot of the times, and and when he is playing, you want to let that go. And it put me in a real internal conflict in terms of what should I do as the mother? Are they safe? And that is something that uh, really um, was very difficult for me to kind of come to terms with. Is this behavior normal? Is he just playing with the children? Uh, it, it It's um, confusing. Well, let's pause right there. When we come back, I want to pick it up as to when he got the diagnosis and what treatment actually did work for him and also why you decided to go public with your story and why Steve has gone public with his story and also we referenced NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Illness. Um, let's talk a little bit about them because you've been very involved with some of the chapters here yes. in the Pittsburgh area. Okay, uh, Linda Schmidtmeier is our guest. Uh, her new book is called Rambler. A family pushes through the fog of mental illness. You can get it wherever books are sold, uh, including Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. We're going to be back and talking for a few more minutes as we wrap things up here on Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 and 101.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, Internet Radio, WMCK.FM, and TubeCityOnline.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. You know, we're looking for help in getting this show on the air and for help with other projects. If you're interested in the McKeesport area, and you'd like to host a program or write articles for the website, call us at 412-614-9659 or email TubeCityTiger at gmail.com. Welcome back. Our guest for a final few minutes here is Linda Schmidtmeyer. She's the author of Rambler, A Family Pushes Through the Fog of Mental Illness. Uh, the book came out a couple weeks ago? Uh-huh. About three weeks? Yes. Three okay. Weeks. So it's brand new. You can get it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. We'll give those details out one more time here uh, before we uh, say goodbye this morning. Um, when he, we, we were talking before the break that there was a, a, a what they used to call a nervous breakdown mm-hmm. in Detroit where uh, Steve went to a conference that was being hosted by his former employer, sort of stalked them, I guess, is the only way. I, is that impolite to say that? Well, I mean, he was certainly aggressive in his his, okay. his desire to, to talk with them, to meet with them, to bring about the change that he thought was necessary. The, the police were called and he was ended up being forcibly hospitalized yes okay committed against his his well actually he, he was yes he was taken against involuntarily his, 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 for yeah. the first 72 yeah. hours and then he agreed to to go for the the full treatment so and that ended up being in a hospital in ohio i think yes, near toledo it, it actually was in lima, lima. Ohio. okay and that's because family was in the area and it, it just worked out better for all of us at the time the up until that point um you write in the book that he had been he had been seeing a therapist or a psychiatrist and was being treated for depression yes he was actually seeing both a therapist and a psychiatrist um so they were giving him antidepressive medication which yes. it strikes me we know this now they didn't know it at the time might have was that making his bipolar worse well, possibly uh, it, it, possibly um they actually also gave him uh, because he had trouble focusing an attention deficit disorder uh, drug so that the combination probably didn't help at all when he went to detroit so the medical combination this was again in 1995 and i would think that the, that combination wouldn't be given today well, bipolar is something that used to be referred to as manic depression yes um so you have and it's not tip this is not the same for everyone but the the stereotypical or the dictionary textbook definition of it is kind of you have these periods of extreme activity sometimes extreme elation feeling very excited and and really working hard and focused and then 
a crash of yes. being extremely depressed, being unable to focus. You write of finding him lying on the floor, so I think on the floor sometimes face down. Yes. Just because he had, didn't have the energy to move. That's right. That was often, you know, getting out of bed was a, a challenge for him. Um, you know, when when uh, his work didn't go well, or even when it did go well, he just simply would stop doing it for great periods of time, for days on end. And um, that, of course, created problems. Yeah, sure. So was was the bipolar diagnosis at the hospital in Lima? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And and what happened after and, that? And, and from there, you know, by that time we expected, you know, okay, we had a diagnosis, things were going to get better. But it took another three years before they really understood that his illness wasn't just bipolar, that he actually had a thought disorder uh, and they needed an antipsychotic medication. So three years after Detroit, he actually went on an antipsychotic medication. His mind became clear. The moods, uh, you know, the, the, the hyper-focus uh, with the engineering society went away. Um, the moods evened out. So his, he became properly medicated. He's still on the same combination of medications um, f- from March of 1998 until today. So okay. that, that combination worked for him. Uh, we have maybe about five or six minutes left. Um, let's talk a little it, Like I said, it seems so odd to talk about him when he's not <laughs> here. Um, but as an engineer, as someone who was trained to think logically and trained to do things sort of methodically, that must have been extremely frustrating for him. It was very frustrating. Because you, you, you quote in your book from some things, some journals well, he had kept at the time and well, letters he had written at the time. Yeah, actually, that's, that's I think, an important part of the book and an important part of the story. Um, you know, while it was my job throughout this uh, period to kind of stabilize the family, hold the family together, uh, do as much as I could to provide an environment in which Steve could get better. Uh, Steve also had a very tough journey of, of being able to find, one, the combination of medications. I mean, for that to happen, he often went weekly to a psychiatrist. He involved himself in research studies at the university. Um, uh, he went to support groups. He went to workshops. Uh, he went to lectures. It was He was trying to find out also how he could get back to who he had been before. Um, and through it, he kept his own notes, tracking his, his behaviors, tracking his thinking, and he would use that to share that with the psychiatrist or the therapist. And that in itself was a real eye-opener for me when I became privy to those notes because it really showed the, the depth of his, of his uh, depression. Um, it also showed uh, how hard he was working to get better because sometimes it looks as if you're dealing with just a, a husband who no longer cares for his family and who, and who no longer loves you. But he was trying. He was He knew trying. something was off the tracks and, and he was trying. But, you know, to ask someone to do that on their own is like asking them to, to heal their own broken leg or to fix their own broken back or something. Yeah, especially with the mind that always didn't see things as others saw them. Yeah. So he was, his challenge was very, his was great. It was, it was a great challenge. Um, and, and I have a, a lot of admiration for him. He's also, his writings are included in the book. And, and even in the readings that we do, he he's partaking in that. He understands that people need to understand both sides of the story, which is the person who's caring for somebody with a mental illness, as well as, you know, the, the workings of the mind of someone who has a mental illness. Uh, in the final few minutes we have left, talk to us about NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Illness. You found 
some support and you've also uh, become very involved, the two of you. Yes, they, they are a wonderful organization. They're the sponsor of this week's Me- Mental Illness Awareness Week. Um, they also uh, work for advocacy, for research. Um, one of the things that I found so helpful was they also have a program called Family to Family. Um, and in it, uh, they uh, help people understand the nature of mental illness, the the uh, uh, kind of the uncertainty of a diagnosis, and to kind of work through that. So it's a twelve week course that they that they still teach, and I actually went to within within a year after my husband's diagnosis, and that kind of set me on the path to like learning as much as I could, uh, understanding what I was dealing with, um, and working through through the illness. And there are chapters in most. Uh, at most hospitals, I think, or at most larger yes, even community in, hospitals. There are chapters in hospitals. There are chapters. There's the, the NAMI. Within a lot of the counties, too, there's a Butler County NAMI organization. Um, and I'm sure that m- most of the counties have a different uh, NAMI organizations. We are actually out of time. Uh, the book is called Rambler, A Family Pushes Through the Fog of Mental Illness. Our guest has been the author, Linda Schmidtmeyer. Um, it is a very personal story. It's a very compelling story. Um, it is a book that at times I couldn't put down, and at other times I really had to take a break from because I thought this is... Thank you. Uh, so I thank you for sharing it and um, you and Steve and the family uh, for participating uh, in this book and sharing this uh, with us during Mental Illness Awareness Week. Okay, thank you, Jason. And thank you all for listening today to Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 and 101.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, Internet Radio, WMCK.FM, and TubeCityOnline.com. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, Keysport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.